pushes away from McCulloch. Thurston gets the ball to Morgan. Morgan crosses the 20. Comes away to O'Neill. Welcome to Above the Horizontal, a podcast about rugby league. I'm your host, Bo Nicholson. We're one week into the 2021 season and already the preseason favourites have made some statements. This week we discuss the six biggest news topics and look ahead to round two. To do this, I'm joined by panellists Kieran Gibson and Miles Stedman. And it's time for kickoff, so let's get into it. Alright, welcome to the kickoff of this episode of Above the Horizontal. My name is Bo Nicholson and we're going to start off uh, reviewing our tips and our bold predictions from round one of the 2021 season. Um, I'll start first because I did absolutely appallingly. I I missed a whole bunch of tackles. I got four out of eight correct uh, with my tips because uh, for some reason I thought I would trust my gut instincts and my bold prediction uh, was that the St. George Illawarra Dragons would beat the Cronulla Sharks by 13 plus and uh, there was a part there where they were staging a bit of a comeback and Cody Ramsey had that try disallowed that would have put them in front but even then 13 plus might have been asking a bit much and they indeed were done by 13 plus as it turns out Miles, you uh, you had a much better better round than me. Uh, how many do you get right in the end? I got seven out of eight in the end. I, I missed out on the the Warriors. I went with the Titans instead, which I think that someone else may have got right, giving them a perfect round. <laughs> You're quite right, Mister Mister Kieran, coming off the back fence for the initial kickoff with the big hit up, uh, <laughs> eight out of eight, giving you ten points on our NRL.com uh, tipping sheet. Joined by. Christopher Waring, uh, one of our biggest fans. Uh, but neither of you guys got your bold predictions, I believe. Uh, Kieran, we'll start with you. You said that three upsets would occur during the weekend? Yeah, I said three. and I Well, I have a feeling there was two. I've only written down one with the Warriors beating the Titans, but I'm pretty sure by the time the game kicked off, the Rabbitohs were technically favourites, but I'm happy to cop it as one. It's a, it's a loss anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and and Miles, yours was that Croft would be involved in every try uh, for the Broncos, and um, unfortunately, he, he was involved in one, to my knowledge, but not all three. No, sadly, but I, I think that Anthony Milford was just uh, FYI, which I'm sure the, the Broncos will be equally as happy with. Absolutely. So this week, we give the points to Kieran, not just for his tipping prowess, uh, but also... Oh, because none of us got the bold predictions right. <laughs> but let's let's really dig into the first half. What did we learn from round one? Guys, mine was a really easy one, is that I should never, ever, ever trust my gut instincts ever again. What was I thinking? Dragons by 13 plus, absolutely not going to happen again. So I've already logged in my tips for NRL.com for round two, and they are a bit more... Uh, mainstream, if you will. My alternative lifestyle has uh, infiltrated my tips and it did not work out well. So um, I I have learned not to trust my gut instincts. Kieran, what did you learn from round one? Um, I learned that I I think uh, in line with the the rule changes made for this season, I think we're actually going to see a lot more quality games than previous seasons. Uh, And I have to point to the Broncos-Eels game. I thought that 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 almost had a, a finals intensity at times. And if that's happening in round one, I envision a lot more of it happening um, as the season progresses. 
Yeah, that was a that was a hell of a game, and uh, I've got to admit, my favourite kind of Broncos loss is when they lead by a big margin at halftime. That's <laughs> that was a, it was a Seagulls game last year, if memory serves, and uh, it was mm. al dente. Uh, Miles, what did you learn? <laughs> what did you learn from round one? Well, I uh, last week I spoke about. Uh, no, I don't think it was last week. I think it was a few weeks ago now. But I, I spoke about the the Rabbitohs not quite having a, a real leader of their forward pack. But, look, there were, there were a lot of good performances for them on the weekend, but Jai Arrow was one of them. And oh. if you guys will remember, he, he signed a, a pre-contract with the, the Rabbitohs for 2021, I think back in the off-season of 2019, maybe. Uh, so he was yeah. one of the first players to commit to a new club for this season. And he, he may turn out to be one of the signings of the season, especially if he does stand up as that sort of leader of the, the Rabbitohs forward pack. I think he... Top the team in running meters on the weekend. Maybe Latrell Mitchell beat him out, but I think he notched up about 170, 180 running meters from memory. So that's a, a real good effort first up and, and off the bench, no less. So if he kind of works his way into the starting lineup, which I'm sure he will sooner or later, I haven't, haven't checked the, the team sheet this week, he, he may turn out to be that sort of um, that, that linchpin of the Rabbitohs forward pack, which uh, who knows, if they go on to win the premiership, it could be one of the, the greatest signings of all time. Who knows? Well, big call, but I, I, I've been a big fan of Jai Arrow uh, since just before he left the Broncos. Uh, and, of course, once he left the Broncos, I was allowed to be his fan after that point. <laughs> uh, so, but, yeah, he's, he, he was tremendous. Uh, there was also uh, another one that, in a very similar mould. I thought Isaiah Papali'i, uh, coming off the bench for the Eels, really helped them turn the tide on the Broncos, as you mentioned, Kieran. They got away to a good start mm-hmm. and... Uh, and uh, very similar kind of thing, like with that impetus off the bench. Uh, can we see both of those guys on the bench all season? Uh, probably not. Let's jump into our wildcard awards, one of our favorite segments from last season, uh, where we choose any award we can think of to give uh, relevant to this week. And my award this week is the Basic Humanity Award. For getting players' names right, and that goes to the commentators of the NRL. I was pleased to see the commentators pronouncing Chance Nickel Klukstar and Josh Papali'i correctly. Uh, it seems like a really small thing, but correctly pronouncing someone's surname or giving it your best attempt to learn, as we've had to do in this podcast a bunch of times, uh, is the best way to honour the player and their families. It's something I wish cricket commentators would take more notice of with Manus Labashkakni, but that's a fight for another day. <laughs> Miles, what is your wildcard award for this week? Well, I'm not sure if this is going to be too dated a reference for our, our listeners, um, maybe, but I've, I've gone with the Chris Rock Award for grand opening, grand closing. And it's going to, <laughs> it's, it's going to the Sharks, who have already lost Jesse Ramian for three games for his high tackle on Matt Dufty in that last game of the week. And they almost lost Aiden Tolman as well, who was, uh, I believe, mercifully offered a, a fine instead of uh, any sort of ban for his um, indiscretion. So it's not a great, not a great start to the uh, the year for the Sharks, despite the win. And and uh, I think Toby Rudolph has almost fined himself actually, but um, we, we will get to that later. I think he actually he got off with a, a citation or whatever you call it. Yes, uh, a, a warning, I believe, was the technical term. Uh, thank you for that award. Kieran, what is your wildcard award for round one? 
So I've got the Alex Johnson Award for exemplary passion and determination to return to the game one loves, which goes to Ryan James. Alex Johnson in 2012 was touted as a future Sydney Swans star following their grand final win. And he then suffered the most horrific run of injuries I've ever heard of in world sport, going through five ACL reconstructions from 2012 to 2018 to only return for two games in 2018, where he did his sixth ACL or ACL for a sixth time. Um, hopefully James can experience a happier end to his career than Johnson, but the passion and determination shown by both to never give up on their dream of playing their beloved sport will live on and is a great example for anyone to never give up on their dreams. That was one of the real feel-good moments of the round, wasn't it? When Ryan James crashed over for that try. It was, it was And you got two in one game, really, because uh, to a lesser extent, Jacob Little's had a bunch of injury problems too, but he also crashed over for a try. And, um, you know, I was, I was pretty happy to see it. Again, Ryan James never played for the Broncos, so quite like the guy. Let's jump <laughs> in. Let's jump into uh, six points, which is going to be our six news items from the week uh, that we find the most interesting and the most uh, worthy of discussing as we head into the halftime break. Point number one, guys, Des Hasler is set to sign a new two-year deal at the Sea Eagles as head coach sometime this week. The simple question is, Miles, does he deserve that faith? Look, I, I don't think he does deserve it, but... Uh, another thing he doesn't deserve is the the injury list that the Seagulls have been hit with since his return to the club. So, look, I, I think uh, what's my, what my gut's telling me is um, if there was a, a potential head coach out there that the Seagulls had were in love with or had scoped out, they they would have probably fired Hasler in the off season and, and signed him up. But there probably wasn't. So I think they're just content to wait it out on a, a two year deal and see who impresses them or, or who hits the open market in the off season and. And maybe then, unfortunately, um, Hasler will be handed his walking papers and they'll sign up a new guy. But, uh, yeah, I think this is sort of just kicking the can down the road, really. Are you of a similar opinion there, Kieran? Yeah, and I I, uh, I point to the fact that the Seagulls had the whole summer to look for a, a backup fullback and a, a hooker, and they did neither. Um, and now they've signed, uh, we'll talk about it later, but uh, another player at hooker who has an injury at the moment, and I'm just baffled by that. I would think Hasler would have a big say in uh, looking for players for those positions. Um, and, yeah, their record lately hasn't been great. I know they've had a, a bad run of injuries, but I think they could have done a bit better for a, a, a better roster. So he hasn't been helped out by injuries and and roster management. There's no, there's no question that Des Hasler is a, a good coach, and he has been a good coach, and, and there have been times where he's been a multiple premiership winning coach uh, less than a decade ago or just about a decade ago now. Um, but it's, his, his style does seem a little bit stale and uh, their the game plan seems to revolve around uh, get Tommy Trevojevic the ball and uh, let him try and win games for you. So I'd like to see that evolve a little bit. I am going to change the order of our news just because, Kieran, you made mention of it. I'm going to go to uh, well, our next point, uh, Point number two, which is that Francis Molo has signed a three-year deal with the Dragons starting next year, leaving the Cowboys, of course, while Carl Lawton has jumped ship from the Warriors uh, to the Sea Eagles, despite the fact that he will be unable to play for at least half the year with an Achilles injury. Uh, Kieran, which you, of course, know all about Achilles injuries. They're not much fun. Uh, Kieran, 
I'll start with you. You you made mention of the fact that you thought that the Seagull signing Lawton was a bit baffling. Uh, I trust that you don't think it's good business, but for the for the Dragons, do you think the signing of Francis Molo at the age of I think he's twenty six for a three year deal is good business? They have a quite a lackluster pack looking pack on paper, and I think he's a, a brilliant a brilliant buy, brilliant form the last two seasons. He's aggressive, has a good work, and he doesn't hide at any stage of a game, which is exactly what the Dragons could use. Meanwhile, Lawton is a, a bit interesting. Manly, as I said, had all off season to look for someone better, and Lawton, he's now 25, has played a cumulative uh, 45 games over five seasons, and the Cowboys and Raiders both have three dummy halves, so that's six players there. I I don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but I would have thought surely they could have had a crack at at least one of those six players going. Yeah, maybe. Miles, you uh, live in the Sydney area where both the Dragons and the Seagulls are. Do you read that? Both of those. How do you read those uh, those two pieces of business? Well, I look, I, I don't know a great deal about either player. Perhaps it's my uh, New South Wales bias. Um, but uh, look, I, I think if anything, I'm, I mean, Kieran just kind of wrapped Francis Molo, so perhaps I'm uh, just ignorant on the matter. But um, I, I think if anything, it shows you how undesirable both destinations are right now when you're kind of signing up guys who are sort of, you know, these sort of ham and egg types that um, are kind of playing for their futures almost and um, maybe not front of the uh, the list to get a contract from the other 14 clubs. So. Yeah, I think it says more about the state of the, the Seagulls and the Dragons than anything about um, Molo and, and Lawton. But look, uh, Kieran kind of gave gave Molo a big rap there, so maybe it will be a good sign for the Dragons. Who knows? Well, Kieran is a Cowboys fan, as am I, and uh, I think we both admire Francis Molo. Just he's not a ham and eggs yeah. type. Is probably a good way to describe him, Miles, like because he is a very steady front rower. Doesn't doesn't do a lot in terms of an offload or a pass before the line or footwork necessarily. But he's just a good, honest, hard worker. And he's currently a starting front rower there, relegating Josh McGuire to the bench. Uh, but a three year deal is a lot of faith. Um, I'm happy for him, uh, and I'm disappointed the Cowboys couldn't keep him because I, I do like having him there. Lawton, yeah, baffling piece of recruitment. The, the timing of it particularly um but i mean let's see if it bears fruit i don't think it will for the next 12 weeks because he'll be sitting on the sidelines taking up uh money and a roster spot but we'll see how that goes for them let's jump to uh point number three talking about the cowboys uh todd payton brand new coach there uh he has encouraged the other forwards to pick up the slack a little bit this year including francis molo who is promoted to the front uh front row position starting position because he has reduced Jason Tamalolo's minutes and therefore his output in attack in order to provide a more stable defensive middle. Uh, he's noticed that Tamalolo can be a little bit uh, lazy around the ruck and, and, and can make some lazy decisions at times because of his fatigue. So he's made this tactical decision. Miles, is he onto something? Well, it's... Uh... You kind of said it just there, but it's his, it's his first game. Like, leave the guy alone, will you? Like, they, I, I heard the commentators, particularly Braith and Astor, who <laughs> a favourite of our of us of ours rather, <laughs> a, a friend of the show, if you will, um, was sort of the first to kind of blow up about uh, Tamalolo being dragged off early, uh, as it were, uh, on the weekend, and then the, the I think the rest of the town joined him really to kind of. 
uh, walk past this uh, shackled uh, Todd Payton and spank him on the ass for his his decision to dare pull off the the sacred cow early. But as we as I said, it's his first game. Leave the guy alone. I'm sure the club has told him doesn't really need to worry about the the finals. Uh, uh, maybe for at least this year. So, sorry, guys, if um, that might have hurt to have heard. But, yeah, look, I think he's just seeing <laughs> what works and what doesn't. Um, a, la, a la Michael Maguire last year with the, the Tigers, who I think he, um, I think Peyton used to coach under. So, yeah, let the guy work out what he's got and, and try some stuff out this year and see what works and what doesn't. Nothing's permanent. So, yeah, look, I, I think if anything, you should be happy that you've got a coach who thinks outside the box. Stubborn as a mule too, judging by what the uh, the uh, press conference, which is something that we are used to in our Cowboys coaches, Kieran. Uh, what is what is what is your take on this? I have to agree with um, Miles. I'm I'm glad we've got someone that thinks outside the box, and I I have to agree with what you said. He's stubborn as a mule, and I love it. Um, I think the way he demonstrated about Tamalolo, it actually kind of took away and masked our performance on the weekend. So the boys probably didn't feel as much pressure or hopefully don't feel as much pressure during the week. We've got a game against the Dragons that we, I think, should be winning. And yeah, look, I, I think, I know we wanted to move on from Paul Green and his hard stance and the way he was a bit of a, a dictator and uh, everything was his way or the highway. Um but I, I, I get the feeling Peyton's a bit different, even though he kind of came across that way as well. Um, he looked visibly upset in that press conference. I actually thought he was going to shed a tear at one stage. Um, I quite liked it. I, I think it's the right message. The Cowboys' defense has been the biggest problem the last few years. Um, it has to be fixed up. If Tamalolo has to reduce some meter gainage and other boys step up, um, and then his defense gets better. Uh, I'd, li- I'd really like to see how it plays out as the season progresses. If it works, it was it's a masterstroke, and it's definitely the right decision. And I, I think it will work out. You're our resident Anasta um, uh, tra- <laughs> translator, um, so I'll I'll take that as 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 uh, as gospel truth. Look, I I think it's a bit of a storm and a teacup. You're right, Miles and Kieran. One game in, we can't possibly judge a coach on that. Uh, he also came up against a red-hot Panthers team. 24-0 is not a great look, but I thought they showed a lot of ticker um, with a with a much less talented side out there. And let's be real, Tamalolo played 50 minutes. The average for a lock last year was 56 minutes across the competition. Like It's not like he was benched and never returned mm. or anything like that. I mean, his, his meters were well down, but a big part of that was that the Panthers just forced far too many tackles we made by the Cowboys so um, no look I think Storm in a teacup let's see how it goes and it's not like he hates Jason Tamalolo he made him a co-captain so uh, it's yeah I think it's a bit silly let's go to another uh, little bit of controversy in the news Uh, our fourth point for today Joseph Suwali has been given an exemption by the ARL commission enabling him to be available for first grade before his 18th birthday which is in uh on august the 1st i believe look are we comfortable with this process uh where it seems to be there's maybe some rules for some and not for all um and of course the roosters being the beneficiary of this is never a great look because they they seem to get the rub of the green a fair bit kieran yeah they do um uh (laughs) In that grand final, there's still probably some fans that feel they got the rub of the green and then with the, the Boyd Cordner exemption. But for me, uh, I'm not sure when the, the rules change for under-18s no longer being allowed to play. 
but those who complain the most usually get what they want and the roosters are vocal and having exemptions um, just like the quarter salary cap exemption and it pays so I'm happy enough for it to go through to be honest and um, yeah I can't really think of a reason to, to be mad at it like if it was a I think I heard, I heard Brett Finch on the the locker or bloke in a bar I think it's called now with Dan and Kemp uh, and Brett Finch said, look if you're relying on a, a 17 year old to get into the finals anyway, like you're going to have a long season ahead of you. That the Roosters are just trying to blood this guy a little bit earlier. It's not to anyone's detriment really. Um, I think have at it. I'm, I'm happy for it to happen. Kieran is pro. Miles, you are. Look, I'm. I'm uh, I'm not pro. Yeah, look, I think Kieran raises a good point. I mean, if you don't you don't ask, you don't receive, which the Roosters are obviously very good at doing. They're very good <laughs> at asking, um, and they they do receive quite often. So you know, um, if, yeah, if you want go and ask other clubs rather than uh, tearing the Roosters down. But look, regardless, I, I think um, to to sort of answer the hypothetical that Kieran posed, I think we brought it in the rule itself about five years ago, maybe. Um, I know there was certainly a linchpin for it. There was there was one player, but uh, that kind of caused the domino effect. But look, I, I think if you're going to bring the rule in, why even why even have it if the the first applicant for it um, gets their exemption granted? I, I think um, again to sort of um, tail on from Kieran, the, the rules are in place for the the player's safety. Um, and I, I fear that uh, Joseph Sawali's size probably betrays just how young and, and supple he is. He's a, a very big man. I think he's about six five or six six and he, he's not too uh he's he's certainly um I, I think almost um maybe 100 kilograms as well but look he's still technically a child and and let's not forget that um on the he on his professional debut on the weekend he he did hurt himself for the i think it was a soft tissue injury of some sort so it, it is a big difference playing high school rugby against you know like against you know kings and, and Knox and whatever in trinity but it's another thing entirely to be playing against professional players, and, and a professional player he is not. He's a he's a semi pro right now. He 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 plays on the weekend and earns some money, and, and during the week he, he goes to school and he's hopefully <laughs> hitting the books. So um, I, I think the the rule is there for the players and and to to not betray their own um, wants and needs and passions and and in, in Suwali's case to to keep him in school because I, I think the last thing that the NRL would want is having players drop out of uh, the very prestigious schools they attend to uh, to, to follow rugby full-time um, because they've, they've got their whole lives ahead of them. They've got their whole careers to do that, and I, I think this sends the wrong message. Yeah, I'm a bit torn about this because there is the, the chance that Suwali could have ended up in the grubby mitts of rugby union. So there is, there is, there is that well, problem. Well, we've got to be the bigger code. Yeah, well, I, I suppose you could you could definitely make that argument. I, I, I thought there was an interesting um, piece of information from Paul Kent, which he, he manages usually once a season, and he um, he read out a list of players that made their first grade debuts before the age of eighteen, and some of the names were just like just some of the legends of our sport, uh, which basically his argument is if you're good enough, you're old enough, uh, but there are some that don't make it uh jordan rankin rings a bell to me the cowboys i remember they used to, they tried to get josh hannay to play when he was 16 then they weren't allowed to um look i i'm actually familiar with the rule when it comes to indoor cricket i play indoor cricket and uh a rule that they have in that say for masters tournaments where you have to be 35 or older 
for a particular age group. If you are turning 35 during the season, then you're okay to play 35s even before you turn 35. So if the season goes from March till September and you turn 35 in September during the season, you can play over 35s despite being 34 and a half in March. Um, and I think that's that's okay because at this point, like, you know, the fact that I was born in May is completely arbitrary, right? But 1988 is probably the more relevant number. Uh, so in this case, Suwali would be turning 18 in the calendar year or in the season, as it turns out, in August. Uh, could could you guys, would you guys be happy with, with that amendment to the rules? I'll start with you there, Miles. No, because... It's the same sort of, uh, and I mean, look, there, there is, there is also something to be said here about there's, there's not much you can do to stop somebody uh, once they're an adult, once they're eighteen. But like that just seems rough for technicality to me. Like, what if, what if he was born in October? That would kind of, you know, rule him out when uh, all that's in question is, at, at the most, thirty days. Well, I suppose, I suppose it's just as arbitrary, isn't it? I didn't really think of it that way. And, and if you consider the fact that maybe someone was born in uh, October 20, that normally wouldn't be part of the season, but it was last year. Uh, so uh, there you come, there's a gray area there for sure. Look, I'm, I'm excited to see the kid play, but I don't think he will anytime soon with the Roosters' back line anyway. Um, and I appreciate your thoughts, Miles. I, I largely agree with them. Kieran, yeah, how would you feel about the idea of, of making it if you turn 18 during the season at some point as opposed to just a specific birth date? Yeah, I uh, listening to everything that Miles said, uh, I have to agree with everything Miles said. Um, I think I was thinking about it a bit too narrow-mindedly and, uh, yeah, I completely agree with what he said on every point. Our Mr. Stedman down in Sydney is very convincing, that is <laughs> for sure. I live for that, Kieran. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move forward to uh, point number five, uh, which is that Toby Rudolph from the Sharks has been warned for a colourful post-match interview where he spoke about celebrating the win over the Dragons with a thousand beers and heading to Northies to pull something. Anything will do. Guys, Kieran, does the punishment fit the crime? I mean, at the time, I thought it was a, a light-hearted uh, interview. Um, I do agree with a lot of what Andy said in our group chat today, though. Uh, if Andrew Abdo had, had said that, he wouldn't get away with it. So a professional athlete playing in the sport, that the, the guy uh, who runs the sport, um, if he can't get away with it, then Toby Rudolph shouldn't either, really. So I do think maybe it's the right stance. I do think it's the right stance, not maybe. I think it's the right stance to take. Um, but at the time, I, I did think it was lighthearted. But yeah, in reflection, yeah, I do think the punishment fits the crime. So as it stands, uh, it's it's just a warning at this point. So uh, Miles, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Uh, if it, if if the chief executive can get in trouble for it, then the sharks lock can too. Yeah, shoes on the other foot here. I, I completely agree with Kieran, and I, I guess by extension Andy as well. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, send the message and, and get on with it. Let the, the tabloids turn it into a talking point. 
I'm glad that he wasn't fined for it. Uh, I think it's a learning opportunity. And and as Kieran said, like when I first saw it, I thought that was hilarious. But as somebody that, you know, I, I try to learn from these kind of things, I, I guess if you look at it from a different angle of trying to be inclusive and trying to bring in new audiences, a female audience and, and uh, talking about, just going down and pulling anything it's very old school speak isn't it and uh i i have softened on that stance and i think a warning and a learning opportunity for not just toby himself but for all of us is actually probably the right move so uh, i'm glad that we all agree on that one and and i'm glad that uh, you could get kieran back by uh, agreeing with him there let's move uh forward to the sixth point where we've converted our try cameron smith retired last week he retired just after our uh podcast went to air so we couldn't cover it last week so we'll cover it this week he retired last week with a very poor statue uh, erected in his honor uh the question is simple and it's been talked about a lot are you miles comfortable calling cameron smith the goat the greatest of all time well i'm to answer your the exact phrasing of your question i'm comfortable with it because it's it's he's certainly in the conversation and i wouldn't um, I wouldn't, you know, he could be, but it's it's got to be Jonathan Thurston for me. I, I don't think you can argue with four Dally M's. So he's in the conversation, but not in your personal opinion. Kieran, uh, <laughs> we're, we're both Cowboys fans. He's just he's just shouted out our mate JT. Uh, are you comfortable calling Cameron Smith the GOAT? Um, look, uh, just on the statue, I have to say firstly that... Uh, if that's supposed to carry on his legacy, I think it's the only thing that taints his legacy. <laughs> uh, um, but uh, I don't agree. I, I think, or yeah, I don't agree that Thurston is the goat. I, I think Cameron Smith is, and I think all of his career statistics speak for themselves. Um, the most games in the NRL, 58, or the, the next closest is Cooper Cronk with 58 fewer. He has the most NRL points, wins, three premierships, two-time Dele M winner, uh, two-time Golden Boot winner. He just has everything, and he was able, as everyone says, to change the tempo of a game, which I think is the most important um, skill to have. And I, I think we're kind of... It's, it's damned if you do, damned if you don't, isn't it? Like, if you sit there and say that Cameron Smith is the greatest of all time, it's a very good argument for it, like you've just pointed out there, Kieran. Uh, but one thing that Cameron Smith absolutely does not have that a lot of the greatest players do is a highlight reel. He just, like... Cameron Smith's highlight reel involves post-try celebrations, lifting shields, falling over during sideline conversions. Like it's it's like that's that's about it, right? But if you look at the the highlight reel of a guy like Thurston, Lockyer, Johns, uh, go back a bit further, Lewis, Sterling, even uh, some of the great backs we've ever seen, like Billy Slater, Greg Inglis. Uh, their highlight reels are off the charts and I think it it depends on on your I don't think you can definitively answer it I mean yes these professional players probably are the greatest but is Cameron Smith Cameron Smith without Steve Walters revolutionising the way that a hooker played in the late 80s early 90s we don't know um but I find it hard to believe. Is Billy Slater the greatest fullback of all time when Lockyer revolutionized the way that fullbacks played? And I thought Lockyer was a better fullback than a 5'8". Um, so, yeah, I, I, is Thurston the player that he is without Johns? Maybe. I think they're a bit different. Um, I'm, I'm, lo- I'm, 
I'm on the fence about it. I'm going to go with you though, Miles. I'm just a Cowboys fan, so I'm going to go with JT. Uh, but I think we all do agree that Cameron Smith, as you rightly say, Miles, very much in the conversation of greatest of all time, and that is good enough for me. Let's have a quick little halftime break where we'll hear from my other podcast, Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast. If you can't get enough of Seinfeld, overalls with one of the straps undone, the Chicago Bulls winning championships, and the Brisbane Broncos being a good team, then it's a pretty good bet you love the 90s. If you do, you should tune in to Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast, which is brought to you by the We Made This Podcast Network. It's hosted by me, Bo Nicholson, and the founder of the Pioneer Australia, Daniel Lang. It's a conversation podcast where we discuss the pop culture icons of our favourite decade. Season 1 is ready to listen to right now, with Season 2 arriving soon. Search for Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Okay, guys, we've, we've just had our halftime oranges. I hope you're feeling nice and refreshed uh, for the second half. We're going to dive into the upcoming fixtures in round two of the uh, NRL Premiership. And Miles, you have the very first game for us, which is between the Parramatta Eels and the Melbourne Storm on Thursday evening, played at Bankwest Stadium. Yeah, well, I think if um, if week one is the hardest week of the year to tip, I think week two is usually the easiest, um, funnily enough. Uh, the, the Eels are obviously very shaky in week one, going up to Brisbane and, and scraping out with the win, while the, the Storm blazed past their, their co-premiership favourites and, and held them off in the second half in a classy fashion. And, and I had it pointed out to me this week, this week that, this, that that might be the Storm's most difficult game of the year. So... Um, Panthers notwithstanding, of course. So, yeah, look, it's, it's, gonna, it's certainly going to be a storm for me here. I agree with that. Kieran, where do you land? Yeah, I really liked the Eels fight back, but they remind me a bit of the Raiders that I just don't think they have that big game mentality yet and that the Storm do. I've got the Storm winning. Speaking of uh, teams that aren't known for their big game mentality, uh, Kieran, you have the Warriors and the Knights on Friday evening from the Central Coast. Warriors won on the weekend, backed by their defence, and the Knights won doing what Todd Payton wants the Cowboys to do, play um, their forwards down the field and not play laterally. This is a great clash after their respective round one performances, especially the battle of the forward packs. I've got the Warriors winning with them not letting the Knights score some of the softer tries that the Knights did against the Dogs. You guys are making my tips very easy because I agree with you too, Kieran. I've got got the Warriors. Uh, Miles, where do you land? Wow, that's a uh, that was surprising. I must say, I, I, I've got the Knights here, and I, I thought, if anything, the Knights last week they were quite impressive. And um, it, I, I don't want to say it was a statement win because they were playing at home, but uh, I heard a lot of people thinking the Bulldogs might beat them. So, I, and they, uh, they they sort of proved everyone wrong and, and got a big win up there. So, I'm going to go the Knights pretty comfortably here. It is kind of a local game for the Knights too, being at the Central Coast. So, it's yeah, not a not a big travel for them. Look, I, I wasn't at ease with the choice of Warriors, but uh, I don't know. I, I really like their forward pack, and to be fair, the Knights have an excellent one too. I have the next game, which is also on Friday evening. It's between the Titans and the Broncos. The Titans, well, they both just made one change, really. The Titans have the one change with Brian Kelly going down injured, uh, making way for Queensland State of Origin rep, Philip Sammy, uh, kangaroo racer, Philip Sammy. Uh, the Broncos have... <laughs> also have one change uh matthew lodge 
is injured with Thomas Flegler starting in his place and then Reese Kennedy replacing Flegler on the bench. Both teams lost last week, uh, but the argument could be made that the Broncos had more positive signs, uh, particularly leading 16-0 against a, a, a more flashy team like the Eels. But it's just hard to see their forwards overpowering the Titans for me. Uh, so I, I like the Titans forward pack. I think the Titans spine is a little bit more settled than the Broncos. So I'm going to go the Titans at a close one by six. Kieran, where do you land? Uh, I, I like the Broncos forward pack just as well. Not just as much as I like the Titans forward pack, but I also really liked the Broncos last week. I've got the Broncos winning. Does that feel dirty? A little, yeah. Nice. <laughs> Miles, do you want to roll around in the mud as well? Uh, I, I kind of want to, yeah. But um, I look, I the Broncos haven't built up enough tipping clout for me just yet. They were they certainly were more impressive last week than the Titans. But uh, I am going to go to the Titans here. I, I think I also think that David Feeder in particular will be super hungry after last week. He was poor and he, he's playing against his old team and. And hopefully Tino will feel that way too. So I'm going to go the Titans. All right, cool. I'm, I'm glad to have your support. You guys have been ganging up on me all afternoon. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> All right, uh, Miles, you have the next game, which is Saturday afternoon from Sydney, also from Bank West, as it turns out, actually. It's the Canterbury Bulldogs against the Panthers. Miles, you, you would be aware that the Panthers absolutely caned the Bulldogs last time they played them 42-0. Do you see a repeat, potentially? Uh, I don't know if I see a repeat. Um, I, I don't think the uh, uh, look. I don't think the Bulldogs have, have quite worked each other out just yet. Well, uh, obviously the Panthers are prob- they're probably they're probably going to be looking to build another seventeen game winning streak. In, in all honesty, um, obviously the Bulldogs have more points in them than they did last year, and the, the Panthers, many think, probably aren't quite as good as they were last season. But yeah, it, it's still definitely the Panthers for me at this stage of the league. Agreed again. Uh, Kieran, uh, surely the Panthers will win this one. Yeah, no complaints, Panthers. <laughs> All right, you've got the uh, the second game on Saturday, which is the fifth game of the round. It's from I can never ever say this Lotto Land from <laughs> like just just dog shit. <laughs> what a stupid thing. Um, do the locals, by the way, Miles, while I've got you, uh, you were from the that sort of area at one point. Do the locals call it Lotto Land or they still call it Brookie? Uh, has, I'm actually doing some quick Googling here. Is the Lotto Land, has that deal run out yet? Or is it, is it still Lotto Land? To, uh, to answer your question, absolutely no. Nobody calls it Lotto Land. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's still on NRL.com as Lotto Land, so I'm, okay. I'm just going oh, to go that's... with that. Uh, yeah, so no one calls it that? <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. Uh, it's, well, look, Brookvale, Lotto Land, Sea Eagles Grave. I'm not sure. But, uh, <laughs> to be fair, I have heard Lotto Land Oval before. <laughs> no one wants that. <laughs> no one. Yeah. Anyway, Kieran, you've got the Sea Eagles versus the Rabbitohs at the aforementioned ground, which shall remain nameless. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the last fixture of this last year in round 15, uh, it could end up very similar this this uh, round, this year again. Um, and that was a 56-16 win to the Rabbitohs last year. And uh, whilst both sides had similar first halves, um, the Rabbitohs really kicked on to perform how most thought they would. 
um, for the entire 80 minutes, whereas Manly faltered and fell apart, admittedly against a brilliant Roosters. The addition of Marshall for the Rabbitohs was beautiful, with them having four playmakers on the field for the second half. Uh, and so I, I think I envis- envisage a, another long night for Manly Rabbitohs to win. Yeah, I, I could see a lot of trouble heading Moses Sully's way at right centre. Um, and he's a good player, but the Rabbitohs left side just looks lethal at the moment. I I, I don't think I'm brave enough to, to put the margin as 40 on the uh, tipping competition, <laughs> but uh, but I do see a, a fairly sizable win for the Rabbitohs. Miles, where do you sit on this one? Yeah, I think it's scary to think of how, how poor the Sea Eagles were last week, and they're arguably playing a, a better team this week, so it's, it's definitely the Rabbitohs for me. All right, I'm going to try and be as unbiased as possible as I cover the Cowboys and the Dragons. Uh, last time I met the Cowboys, snuck out a, a one-point victory, um, which was towards the end of last year. Look, Todd Payton is sticking to his guns after their shutout loss to the Panthers. He's given his co-captain a bit of a rev, and he's put the same 17 players out there, including three hookers in in the one team. While the Dragons welcome Corey Norman back from suspension, bumping Adam Clune out of the 17 despite scoring a nice try. The Cowboys showed some resistance in defense, but were just dreadful in attack, uh, particularly with their inability to hold the ball. Um, you can complain all you want about defensive lapses or whatever, but if you're if you're going to hold the ball the way the Cowboys did, i.e. not, you're not going to win football games. Uh, Peyton would be well advised to dip the Steedens in soap before and during each session this week, because if you can catch soap, you can catch a ball uh, to, to misquote dodgeball. Look, I, I anticipated the Dragons would do better than they did in round one, and I don't hold a lot of hope for them here. Their forward pack raises a lot of concerns for me. So while I, I admit my bias, I, I do have the Cowboys in a tight one. Kieran, uh, you're also a Cowboys fan. Uh, I trust your heart says that. But what about your head? My unbiased head says the Cowboys as well. Miles, you are certainly unbiased on this one. Uh, where do you sit? Look, uh, I <laughs> I actually didn't feel great about this, guys, but I, I am tipping the Cowboys. But I uh, may I add a caveat? I think the Dragons could win. I'm, I'm so sorry. No, I, I, apology not accepted. <laughs> 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 uh, and as punishment, Miles, I'm going to have you talk about the Tigers and the Roosters, which is a Sunday afternoon game this week. Oh, boy. Brings me no joy as well. Um, look, I, unlike the Seagulls, the, the Tigers did... Uh, at least play one half of a game against a premiership contender. So, um, but uh, look, the, the Roosters are looking scarily ominous given how early it is in the season. And I think they'll probably run away with this one. Look, there was some talk about like you know Ryan Pappenhausen and and uh, and two of us are Shaq and you know when Trevojevic comes back, but Tedesco for me really stamped himself as the uh, as the premier fullback. And I'm with you, Miles. The Roosters. Should have this one, but I actually don't have it by a runaway. I think it'll be somewhere in that less than 12, more than 8, something like 8 to 12 kind of range. Uh, I think the Tigers will show a bit of ticker. Kiri, what about you? Uh, uh, I've got the Roosters for sure, but I I, I do think it'll be at a, a bit of a canter. I think they'll 13 plus. 
Alrighty, and you have the final game uh, between the Sharks and the Raiders from the newly named, as we said last week, the Netstrata Jubilee Stadium in Sydney. Yes, I, I think uh, Raiders man for man are, are the better team and uh, Ramian's out for three weeks after a high shot on Dufty. Uh, the Raiders show that they don't need to be at their best for 80 minutes to get a win and I think the Sharks do need to be to have any chance this weekend and for all those reasons I've got the Raiders winning uh, and I think quite comfortably uh, again. I agree with that 100%. Miles, what about you? Uh, yeah, look, it, it, it's going to be the Raiders for me. A lot of agreement going on this week. I'm, I'm not a fan. We'll have to we'll have to uh, mix it up a little bit more. Let's uh, look. The scores are level, guys. We're into golden point. Uh, thank you very much for your efforts so far. But I need one last push to get the win, and it's bold prediction time. Now, my bold prediction this week is that, as I mentioned, uh, I expect that the very slick attack of the Rabbitohs' left edge is going to give Moses Suli a headache and then some heartbreak. And I think he is going to miss at least six tackles on the weekend. Miles, what is your bold prediction for round two? Uh, d- didn't you say bold, Bo? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can, I can go harder, Stedman. I can fair enough, fair enough. Keep my mouth shut. Um, look, I, I know I kind of... I don't think I shit on the Tigers, but... Um, I, I do, despite I, th- I think the fact that I, I think they'll probably lose in, a, in as Kieran termed it, a canter this week. I, I think Adam Dewey's return will give Tigers fans a, a spark of hope that their their halves combination may amount to something this year. And I, I think he'll score a try and assist another, and, and just generally make Luke Brooks' life far easier than Moses Embiid was making it last week. Interesting that Moses Mbai has been relegated to the bench. He's no longer the captain, so they can do that sort of thing, I suppose. Uh, I, I do like that. I, I like Adam Dewey as a player, for sure. Kieran, what is your bold prediction? Or if you just want to go a mild prediction like I have, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I've got leading on from the uh, my Broncos, or is it Titans at, Titans at home? Titans-Broncos game. I've got Milford to win Man of the Match in a statement Broncos win. So Ooh. to to quantify this, he'll get the three Dalian points. Uh, well, I think it's the Friday night um, televised game, so I think they'll. I'm I'm talking Channel Nine. Do they? Oh, yeah. Whoever. Yeah. 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 All right. Cool. Yeah. So Channel Nine player of the match because as we found out actually the Dally M's uh, are not always accurate um, James yeah. Tedesco got one point for the Roosters uh, which I found perplexing because uh, he was comfortably the best player on the field but thank you for the clarifying that so we've got uh, Anthony Milford will be the player of the match for the Broncos according to Channel 9 we've got Adam Dewey scoring a try and setting up another for the Tigers in what will probably be a big loss for them and I've got Moses Suli to miss at least six tackles because I am a pansy. All right, guys, thank <laughs> you. Thank you very much on this team list Tuesday uh, for round two. Uh, as always, go the Cowboys. Go the Cowboys. Go Liverpool. Oh, what's, happening with, what's happening with them? Here's <laughs> a full-time siren. Above the Horizontal is brought to you by the Pioneer Australia. Find them on Facebook or at www.pioneeraustralia.wordpress.com. The Above the Horizontal panellists are Miles Stedman and Kieran Gibson. 
and it's hosted and produced by me, Bo Nicholson.